This is Black and Gold Rush, the podcast where we talk about all angles of New Orleans Saints football. I'm your host, Rachel Jones, and I've been a Saints fan all my life, so I know just how much this team means to our city, both as a former reporter and from my season ticket in Section 257. Whether it's breaking down game tape or telling an inspiring off-the-field story, I'm here for it because the Saints bring us together. Let's get going. What's going on, Houdat Nation? Welcome to another episode of Black and Gold Rush. Because the Saints haven't been making all that much noise in free agency, I feel like we fans have been counting down to the NFL draft for, well, a long time. And luckily, we don't have too much longer ahead of us. Less than three weeks now. The draft is a very busy time of year for our guest this week. Ross Jackson, the host of Locked on Saints. I was super excited to record with Ross and get to know about his career with the Locked on Network. He shared with us exclusively he just added partnerships manager to his roles, along with NFL and college channel coordinator and hosting the daily podcast we all love. We explore where his love for the Saints originated and Ross shares how some of the most valuable advice he's received included two simple words, just go. Ross also tells us how he's always been a performer. You'll get an inside look at his theater background and how he knew sports was what he was meant to do. He started writing about the Saints, then added podcasting before one day he got a phone call that changed everything. I sure hope you enjoy this episode because I had a blast doing it. But more than that, Ross shares some great lessons and insights on the Saints that I hope you'll take away. We also talk about the incredible community aspect of podcasting, getting to know your listeners, really making the show theirs, and developing content around them. He's fun, he's inspiring, and of course, He's locked on Saints. Without further ado, here's Ross Jackson. Ross, welcome to the pod. It's great to see you. Thank you. No, I'm so glad to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Love all the work that you do. And of course, I'm 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 quite versed in your formal your former work too. So I'm kind of in a in a state of uh, a fandom here speaking with you. So I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> it means so much. I just love being back in the in the sports world. It is a great time to be a Saints fan. I like to say, <laughs> you know, it's a kind of the the dawn of a new era almost. You know, this mm-hmm. roster is going to look very very different next year i mean drew Brees is gonna have a place in the hall of fame in five years always a place in our hearts forever but we have to talk about we have so much to talk about i always like to start at the beginning with my guests so give us a glimpse ross of where you grew up and what first sparked your interest in the new orleans saints yeah, so I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Of course, uh, I was I spent a, a lot of time in uh, a couple of different areas. You know, we moved around a bit when I was younger, but you know, found some time over on the West Bank as well. And so, uh, you know, look, I, I was born a Saints fan. Uh, <laughs> the way that I like to say it, it wasn't even a learned behavior. I just had it in my blood. You know, uh, so I came up 
you know, throughout the the nineties and, you know, finally getting, you know, all through a little bit of Ditka, everything through Jim Hazlitt, a little bit of Aaron Brooks, all that good stuff until we finally got to Drew in 2006 and everything. And, uh, and, and I'll be honest, I mean, it was really, you know, with Drew that my fandom really sort of stepped to the next level in terms of learning the game a little bit more. Now, of course, I played the game for quite a bit into as long as I could up until I was about 13 and then I had to stop playing. Uh, but I had sort of this trajectory of life that matched up sort of with Drew Brees coming in and then the revitalization of the city, the revitalization of the organization and the revitalization of, of, of my, my own life and my family's life. Like my mother and I, we lived in New Orleans. We were there during Hurricane Katrina. We were living in a car at the time and we had to get out of there and everything after the hurricane had passed. We were over on the West Bank, so we didn't have flooding and stuff like that. Like we got away and outside, but like all of our stuff was just in this car. <laughs> and wow. so, um, yeah, so, you know, getting through all of that and, you know, seeing sort of us come out on the other side and at the same time, the Saints organization come out on the other side and then the city, which is still in the midst of its own revitalization efforts and everything that aren't maybe aren't being paid attention to as much. But there's still all of these things that are happening there just as, but you know, just like we're all still working to perfect as well. So it's it's that's sort of been the thing that has made me step up my appreciation. Right, right. You talk about coming out on the other side. That's that's such a, a beautiful way of of putting it, you know, really and really capturing the the resilience. I mean, I'm living here yeah. in in Lake Charles, Louisiana. I mean, we had two hurricanes in, in six weeks in, right. in 2020. And it the city is slowly coming back. It's it's not there yet, but mm-hmm. I mean Hurricane Katrina, in some ways it feels like it was forever ago, but in some ways it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, you know for the very reasons that you were that you were talking about Uh, but you and I we both had Saints fandom in our blood when Mm -hmm. we were born I mean my dad he grew up he went to Saints games in the bag days he he was yeah yeah so he always swore that if the Saints ever made it to the Super Bowl that he would be there and he kept his promise. So we were there at Super Bowl 44. Uh, It was definitely obviously one of the best days ever. But uh, so right, we have a lot in common for uh, getting through the days of, you know, three and 13 seasons and getting to celebrate, obviously. (laughs) Now the Saints are perennial competitors. And I don't think they're going I mean, they might tumble a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, now that Drew, they're they're leader drew Brees is not there anymore but right. they have made it clear that they are going to compete i mean yeah. there is no doubt about it so we're going to get into the direction that the saints are going but i when i was researching you getting ready for our interview something super interesting about you ross is your extensive theater background so i want to talk about that a little bit <laughs> uh you have a master's in fine arts from uc irvine mm-hmm. uh tell us more about that uh describe how your sports and theater worlds collided and kind yeah. of ma- maybe what skills you tap into from your theater days today yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the the theater trail sort of started for me still in New Orleans. Like, I was always a bit of a performer <laughs> my entire life. Okay. Uh, you know, I was always that that 
guy that you know i would i wanted to make everybody laugh i wanted to make sure everybody was having a good time like that's who i always has have been and uh that really sort of translated into a couple of different things it translated into spoken word poetry was a big was something that i i performed in quite a bit when i was younger uh, i haven't done it in years now so i ain't doing it but uh <laughs> i ain't doing it anymore <laughs> okay uh, so we won't call you if we need a poet on the fly okay. yeah no you don't you don't want that um but you know i did that for a while and then you know when i after katrina i ended up getting back into school up in uh cecilia louisiana shout out cecilia high school bulldogs up there mm-hmm. uh, and you know uh, they didn't really have anything in terms of, of, of the arts to offer when i was there at the time and then we ended up having to move again because hurricane rita wasn't far after katrina of course mm-hmm. so I ended up moving again after that going up to uh, arkansas and then i went to a high school up in arkansas that offered um you know fine arts credits and things like that and you know look i i can't sing uh, I can't draw or paint or anything like that. There's oh, not a right single, there with you. <laughs> right, yeah. There's not a there's not a single instrument that I can play and march with at the same time. So it was not about to do band. And so theater was the one that felt like it was most in line for me, uh, based on that you know performance experience and the performative nature of who I've always been. I ended up getting into it and fell in love with it. And then I went to college for it. And then I went to went and did my master's degree in uh, particularly in stage management uh, over on the administration side of it all. And then I got, you know, to tour the country for years doing plays and musicals and, you know, doing some really incredible stuff in New York and, you know, all around the country. And of course, in Los Angeles as well. And so, uh, you know, but in the midst of all that, the one thing that I wanted to do was be a production assistant on SportsCenter. That's all I really wanted. Like that's, that was the big thing that I really wanted to do. And I wasn't able to ever really figure it out because there ended up being so much time between when I graduated because I had to work because we had to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when I was eligible to do a production assistantship or some type of an internship. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just keep doing this theater thing then. And then I did. And then eventually I started writing. Uh, we had started a website called All Saints Considered, mm-hmm. uh, which is Tapping now into the Saints fandom. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was our my first sort of endeavor into sports writing. I had done some journalism before. I used to write for a theater magazine, actually called Stage Directions Magazine, doing mm-hmm. uh, spotlights on uh, theater artists of color and, you know, talking, doing some really great stories on some advancements in technical theater. Bunch of nerd stuff. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then I uh, finally found a way to be able to contribute and be a part of what I wanted to do in sports. And then through that, I started doing podcasting and everything. And then one day, David Locke just called me. Um, and okay. Like, and so, and so, I'm sorry. Yeah. Da- David Locke is the founder of the Locked yes. On Network. Uh, yes. 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 Yeah. And so he called you out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, he had sent me an email, but before I got the chance to respond to the email, he called me and uh, we talked, we set up a time and we talked more extensively and he wanted me to come on and host this daily podcast called Locked on Saints and do this show every single day. And uh, I I said yes, and I took the leap. Uh, I've always been a believer that don't ever wait for the safety net, just leap. And if you need it, it'll appear. And so I jumped and I went for it and I've been doing it for since 2018. So about three years now and everything going through my uh, third draft cycle with the uh, with the network and everything. And of course, my role has expanded there a little bit, too. But that's how I got into the network to begin with. Wow. So it was uh, an email and a call from the founder of the guy, the guy. (laughs) Wow. So so he heard you posting an an independent podcast that you started to kind of piggyback on your on your blogging. Yeah, exactly. He called called you. And yeah, that's how it happened. 
Yeah. Along with All Saints Considered, with the writing portion, we had started a podcast and then we were looking for a way to get more content out on the podcast feed. And so I started doing a solo podcast called Single High Safety. And I did maybe three, three episodes of that. And then David had called. Okay. Wow. I mean, right. And that's what I, I believe. And I, before I started my podcast, the courses that I went through Mm -hmm. were so encouraging said that you have to put it out there, you know, so that you can have a product to improve on. And because you can't improve upon anything if you don't have something to start with. And so clearly that's what you were going with and look where it led you. I mean, so, (laughs) so tell us, right. Locked on's model is your team every day. And Mm -hmm. so David Locke was the radio voice of the Utah jazz. And so the very first locked on was locked on jazz. And Mm -hmm. now it's up to 160 different team podcasts nationwide. So Tell us, what is your current role in addition to hosting Locked On Saints five days a week? I'm dying to hear about your daily routine, but uh, what is your role? Okay, so (laughs) tell us about a little bit about your daily routine hosting five days a week and Mm -hmm. your new roles, plural roles with the network. (laughs) Yeah, so so the daily routine shifts a little bit. It it, it depends on what's necessary on a week-to-week basis, depending upon what's going on. So like right now, we're in the midst of getting our absolutely huge, our largest event of the year, our largest podcast event of the year is the NFL draft. We do a a mock draft that includes uh, the insight from all of our local experts covering all 32 NFL teams, even teams that don't have first round picks, talk about who their favorite remaining prospects are. And then we have all these contributions from some really phenomenal experts and NFL insiders outside of that as well. So it's been really, really amazing putting all that together. But that means that my recording schedule shifts to the morning. Usually I, I would record at night, but I prefer to start early in the morning and then just be able to be done by like 5 or 6 p.m. and then just kind of turn off. Because in order for me to be able to do this show five days a week and also be able to produce at the level that I have to produce in these additional roles, which I'll talk about more here in just a moment, I need to be able to rest. I got to yeah. be able to take care of me. You know what I mean? Sure. And so, you know, in order for me to give 100% of myself, 100% of myself has to be available. So that means I got to sleep at night. So of that's- course. So that's the way that I shift the schedule around and everything. Uh, So the daily routine is usually, uh, you know, if I'm recording in the morning, I'm probably recording from about 6 to 7 a.m. with a little bit of leeway there to go into this 38-ish hour in terms of me posting in the morning. Um, And then pretty much from that point forward, and even as I'm recording, you know, I'm sending emails and I'm doing all this other stuff. And then from about that point to about 3 or 4 p.m., I'm just in, you know, Zoom meetings and emails all day because I'm doing all the locked on stuff, but I'm also doing a lot of like diversity, equity, and inclusion work with a couple of theaters and things like that. So I'm still involved in that in that world a little bit, okay. particularly from the the diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint and, and artistic leadership. And so there's all of like that stuff, but I'm not in rehearsals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um and then the new roles with Locked On yeah. are two two roles. So one of which folks already kind of know about, which is mm-hmm. the, I mean, people that know me know about uh, the NFL and college coordinator. So my job is to hire, identify and hire, um, you know, NFL talent to come in or, or talent to come in and host their NFL or our college shows, teams of folks, things like that, get them trained up in terms of what the model of our presentation is and what our standards are, and then make sure that they're executing it 
moving forward. And by making sure, it's not about consequences. It's just about what do I need to do to make sure that you're getting the information that you need in order to know this is a three-segment format with two ad breaks. Here's how you do the ad breaks, all these other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that part as well as coordinating between the networks or between the channels so that, you know, let's say that the, I don't know, Carolina Panthers end up drafting somebody from, let's say they, some, something happens and then they end up drafting Kyle Pitts, which I would absolutely hate that. But if it happens, <laughs> say it's fans. Uh, just like, yeah. Although we might have to worry about that maybe in Atlanta. Uh, I wasn't going to say want. it. I wasn't going to say it. I'm not trying to put that out there. I'm not trying to put that out there. But, uh, but like if that happens, then my job is to say, okay, well, let me grab Julian Council, who's the host of Locked On Panthers, and let me connect you with Brandon Olson, who's the host of Locked On Gators, so that y'all can have a conversation and talk a little bit about what you know Kyle Pitts brings to the Carolina Panthers, which is nothing because Sam Donald is their quarterback. But <laughs> When it comes down to uh, all of that, there's that portion of it. The new role, which is something I haven't really talked about very publicly before, so shout out to you, breaking news, um, is is now my full-time role as partnerships manager. And so, yeah. And so that role, basically what happens is that our network is owned by an independent company called Tegna, T-E-G-N-A. And what Techna does is that they are the largest independent owner of top four network affiliates across the country in terms of local television news stations. So WWL in New Orleans, for instance. Mm-hmm. So we, they are a part, we're all with one another. So we bring their talent onto our shows. Our podcasts are oftentimes included and featured within their sports casts, things like that. So my job is to connect all those dots and make sure that everybody has the information that they need to be able to share in that partnership. And then we also have our partnership with Odyssey, formerly Intercom, who also hosts, who also owns, for instance, WWL Radio. Sure, sure. Yeah. I saw that they just changed their name pretty recently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep, very, very recently. So they are now Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Their app is updated. It's the Odyssey mm-hmm. app, and it's great. And I'm not just saying that because I work with them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's absolutely yes. great. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they they have they have uh, sort of undergone a bit of a, a rebrand there to to keep up to date with the things that they're doing because the things that they're doing are actually pretty audacious. So it's really great. Um, and so. Yeah. Yeah. So you have really evolved with the Locked On Network. I mean, and the Locked On Network, like I said, it's a hundred over 160 now. Uh, college, professional, I mean, co- conference podcasts, uh, five yeah. days a week. It's really quite impressive. Uh, so I know there's a Locked On Saints Facebook group. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about the response and growing the Locked On Saints podcast specifically. Um, and I, I know y'all have, you know, different like Facebook Fridays that you do. Mm-hmm. And so like, what's the what's the fan response been like and the, the journey of growing the Locked On Saints specifically? Well, Rachel, as you know, we have the great pleasure of working with one of the, if not the greatest fan base in professional sports with who that nation um the i would 1000 percent agree yeah i mean there's no there's no comparison it's like there's the new orleans saints there's the who that nation new orleans saints fan base and then like bill's mafia is is right under that because i think bill's mafia is incredible uh <laughs> yeah i was definitely riding with them during, you know like on the on the afc side yeah definitely say. yeah mm-hmm. definitely um, and so, you know, the, the response has been incredible. And I, I mention every day in, in my show, as I wrap up, I always say, thank you for helping me grow this family. Mm-hmm. 
And I look at it that way because, and I say it that way because I really believe in it that way. And and I always mention that like the show Locked on Saints is not my show. I don't call it my show. It's not my podcast or anything like that. It's our show. It, It really is a show that is just as much about the people that are listening as it is about, you know, the one person who's lucky enough to sit in front of the microphone and be able to speak on it, you know, um, I always mention that it is a show that I could not and would not ever want to do without the people who support it. And that goes for the people that listen, right? The listenership, the people who help promote, who share, all those other things. But also, I mean, the rest of the network as well. I mean, we have an incredible network of people as you've, you know, you've, you've highlighted how many shows we have and everything. We've got even more hosts because some of those shows have two hosts. Some of those shows have three hosts. And so, yeah, we have this incredible network of people that are just wildly supportive from every angle and an incredible executive team that is hands-on and is a part of the process and everything. So all of that has been great, but nothing, nothing, nothing at all compares to the excitement and the fun that I have being able to have, you know, this voice in this platform within mm-hmm. such an incredible fan base as a New Orleans Saints fan base. It, it, it's a wildly um, unbelievable opportunity honestly. And it's one that I still take time to process every day and appreciate because I'm, I'm, I'm remarkably grateful for it. No doubt. I mean, just the fact that you call it our show. I mean, I'm sure that fans really appreciate <laughs> and value that. Uh, and I, so... uh, I have a quick, funny story about that. Absolutely. I, so I obviously host a show on my own. Uh, I always try to bring on guests and everything so that people hear from folks that are smarter than I am. But the fact of the matter is that you know every time that I speak and I say, here's what we talked about yesterday, or if you remember right, on Monday, we had highlighted this, that, and the other during Mock Draft Monday. And I always say, we, us, our, things like that. And mm-hmm. I've had people who have written to me and been, and been like, who is we? <laughs> <laughs> who are you talking about? Are you okay? Because <laughs> it's just you up there. But I always say like, today we're talking about this. But it, it, is, it is because I enjoy the inclusive language And I try to treat every show like a conversation I'm having. I try to anticipate what people's questions might be. I try to to anticipate what people's responses might be and try to address them so that if they're listening and they go, oh, well, what about this? Hopefully I can answer that. I can anticipate that need. And hopefully I'm able to answer that and give people the most um, holistic experience possible while listening to the show. Yeah, the community aspect of of podcasting is really on you don't get that in mm-hmm. any other medium and I I'm really in my short journey I'm enjoying it and I hope that you know right we can all kind of help each other in a sense you know and so yeah. that's it's really been awesome and so I'm curious to know what's can you pinpoint, I mean, it sounds like David Locke was obviously instrumental in your early growth, but what's one piece of advice that you received that has helped you get to where you are today? Um, yeah, I mean, it would probably be David. <laughs> it would probably be David. Um, and I would, I, I think I give a lot of credit to both David Locke as well as Nick Underhill, both of which in their own ways have told me several times and, and, you know, not in, not in the same language between the two of them, but both of them in their own ways, effectively telling me, just go and just do it. You know, um, there was a time to where I was contemplating, should I go back to school again and get a journalism degree and like dedicate that time and that expense and that money to, to doing that, even though I already have 
degrees in performance, which helps me in terms of hosting a podcast. But can I, can I, should I be going back to like formalize my education as a, as a journalist as well? And certainly that is an option, but between them and others that have helped, you know, uh, former coworkers of yours in terms of Larry and Kat, mm-hmm. who have been instrumental and Amy Just, who has been just an, inc- I can't, express how important she is to me and how incredible uh, a support system she has been. It, it It's wild. Like these are people that I consistently look up to and that of course I always, you know, whose work I always read and everything like that. But to know that they have also been a part of my comfort and my drive and motivation in all of this has been really great. So it's really just been like the best advice that I can give and the best advice that I've ever been given is just go, just, just do it. <laughs> awesome. I think we've heard that before. Just do it. But yeah, yeah just, right. Yeah. <laughs> just go, just go. I love that. And yeah, yeah I've, I've, I, it, it just makes so much sense, you know, uh, hard to, hard to do, but so easy mm-hmm. to sometimes hard to do, but easy to digest, you know, from, yeah. and I think what's unique about our New Orleans media aspect is how supportive supportive we are, you know, yeah. of, of each other. And I just, I, I love that. And I, I mean, I'm here in Lake Charles, not, not too far away and mm-hmm. all my family's in New Orleans and I, I love getting back there yeah. um, as often as I can. Uh, <laughs> so we're recording this episode three weeks from the start of the NFL draft. Uh, I know as, uh, as Ross said, uh, it, it is uh, the uh, largest podcast event of the year for the Locked On uh, family. So uh, again, Saints fans uh, everywhere, super excited to see uh, the direction that um, the Saints take. But um, for me, I think the Saints have some clear needs. Uh, cornerback immediately comes to mind. Uh, linebacker, even mm-hmm. receiver, you could say. Um, it's going to be exciting to see it all come together. So Mock drafts are a staple on on your show, as you've said. Mm-hmm. Um, listener mocks uh, as yep. well. So uh, l- let's get into it. Uh, someone you like uh, that you've recently highlighted um, and who had a strong pro day um, recently, Florida State cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. Uh, so explain a little bit. Uh, he's somebody who could fall to late first round. Um, early second round, if the mm-hmm. Saints decide to trade down, um, explain why. Yeah, I, I think a big part of it has to do with his size. I mean, he's a little bit undersized, not so much on the height area. He's 5'10", 5'11", and certainly we've seen those corners in the NFL before. Uh, you know, P.J. Williams is just at six foot. You know, Patrick Robinson's a little bit under. So, you know, we've seen those corners be able to produce, and we've seen the Saints invest in those that that size corner before. The 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 difference here is 181 pounds that that's the big thing uh he's he's undersized in terms of his weight and his his frame doesn't necessarily have something that gives you the identica- identification that he might be able to add that weight on but what he lacks in size and and therefore comes up a little bit short in the run game and run support sometimes is his aggressiveness and his confidence he won't he 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 might be a little small, but he ain't never going to act small. Like he, he'll never be that guy that's going to back down or not get involved in a play or that's going to take a playoff or be a 50% guy or anything like that. 
he is somebody that brings a drive, brings an aggressiveness, and that brings a ton of confidence, which we know the Saints love in their DBs. If you take a look at Marshawn Lattimore, you take a look at Marcus Williams, who's worked very hard to rebuild his confidence after his rookie season and the way that that all came to an end. You look at CJ Gardner Johnson, who has so much confidence, people want to punch him in the face. Like it's <laughs> an know. incredible, it's an incredible amount Living of all free of that. And yeah, right. Says, yes. <laughs> yeah. And you think back to, you know, Von Bell, who was full of confidence and he was a very vocal leader. Like that fits in this right. Saints offense, or excuse me, that this Saints defense. defense and yeah. yeah, and and his ability to work in press man situations, I think is another thing that probably makes him very desirable for the Saints. He could be a little over aggressive there, but that's why you have a guy like Chris Richard at this as a secondary coach who's a phenomenal coach and does a good job at both instilling intensity, but also managing the expectations of intensity as well. So he'd be a really good pairing for Asante Samuel as he comes into the NFL. Wow, I love that. What he lacks in size, he makes up for in aggressiveness and confidence. That mm-hmm. that could be uh, a, a great fit if he is if if the Saints were to were to choose him. Uh, with no combine this year, I mean, the draft preparation process is very different, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know we're uh, running a little short on time, so I want to get to mm-hmm. another uh, some some other. Uh, storylines coming out of the NFC South and the Saints. Um, Of course, Sam Darnold is now a Carolina Panther. We talked about that uh, a little bit. So the Saints and Panthers are both going to have new quarterbacks. Um, For me, um, Sam Darnold is not entirely, uh, doesn't scare me really. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, if Joe Brady and Matt Rule can all of a sudden elevate him to make him shine and make him produce. Uh, Joe Brady's going to be getting a lot of head coaching attention yeah, in real. 2022, <laughs> I think. Uh, so let's, let's start there. Uh, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Like Sam Donald is not a quarterback that it, it instills a lot of confidence in me. Um, he's not somebody I've ever been super high on and we know that he hasn't had the ability yet to live up to his draft expectations, especially considering what the jets gave up to move up and draft him. And now all of a sudden they're admitting, essentially admitting defeat by trading him away for a future second and some extra picks. And now they're going to trade, you know, now they're going to select another quarterback here, a top three at number two, very likely, Mm -hmm. um, like 98%. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> if anything other than a, a quarterback is selected, it would sh- send shockwaves to shocked. the league. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, look, if if Carolina somehow comes out there and, and Joe Brady is able to put together an offense that caters to, you know, a guy that had a, a passer rating of, you know, 94.2 if throwing under 10 under two seconds but then anywhere around between 69 to 48 if he held onto the ball any longer than that that seems to instill in me that he's not going to be effective in waiting for deep routes to develop the things that Joe Brady did if you look back at LSU's offense which he was a part of cultivating along with Steve Zminger. I don't know that Sam Darnold is actually the right fit for Joe Brady, but if they're able to make it happen, then that's great for Joe Brady more than anybody else. And of course, it'd be great for Sam Darnold. At least Sam Darnold gets away from Adam Gase. He gets away from that New York, 
Jets system that didn't really work for him. And Robert Sala, who's then now the new head coach over in New York, gets his fresh start in his new regime. I think it was a good situation for everybody, but in terms of what the results are going to be, it's sort of a, I wouldn't call anything a foregone conclusion at this point because they can surprise or he just continues to live up to what he's been here since he was drafted. Right, right. We're going to see if if he ends up being the right fit or not for Joe Brady. I mean, he is reunited with Robbie Anderson in Mm -hmm. Carolina, who he had, you know, with the Jets at receiver. You know, he's got DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. So we're going to see the Saints defense is surely going to be ready. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, as far as a uh, I mean, immediately when that trade went through, I'm sure it went through Saints fans' minds is could a reunion with Teddy Bridgewater oh, yeah. be in the works? I mean, I think both you and I don't see that happening. The price tag is just not right. And yeah. I think they've got other plans for the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, right. I mean, we're, we're going to see Jameis and Taysom compete for the starting job. It's Jameis Winston's job to lose, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it so first let's let's start with uh you know both you and I don't see a reunion with Teddy Bridgewater in the cards, right? Yeah, no, you're spot on. I, I don't see it happening and you're you hit it. It it's the price tag. It just yeah. doesn't make sense, especially if they're gonna look to trade and things like that. It's gonna be a little tough to be able to make work out. Yeah. So I, I think we can put that, you know, to bed unless something, you know, wild happens. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jameis Winston, though, has been uh, showing his leadership. He's been doing more interviews lately on some podcasts, you know, after he did his course conference call with the local media. Uh, so I feel like we're getting uh, a better glimpse of him, at least mm-hmm. uh, in the off season. He had that really powerful quote about um from on the Huddle and Flow podcast about uh, making big decisions uh, and winning decisively. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that he's he really wants this. And so what are you learning about Jameis Winston's abilities to really potentially take charge of this offense? Yeah, I, look, I, I think he has these interviews that he has been doing have been pretty phenomenal. Um, and it's just putting it's instilling the confidence in his ability to be a leader and you're hearing it from other players uh, around the team as well, who have mentioned, you know, Cam Jordan talked a bit about his leadership uh, and what you're seeing the entire time through from Jameis is an open respect for Taysom Hill, who he expects to be in a competition with when it comes to camp. And so nobody's going out there and trash talking anybody. Nobody's out there sort of like trying to win the battle through the media. He's just out there being himself establishing who he is. I think he's showing his maturity too, because I think that everyone knows that there were questions around that in terms of his arrival in New Orleans, because there were the stories and there was the news, all the things that have happened since, you know, before he got to New Orleans and everything, some of which are important and deserve to have attention paid to them and deserve to be examined, particularly the Uber situation. And so depending upon how all of that unfolds, there might be, you know, questions around his maturity and around his leadership. And he's going out and he's showing pretty, I think, um, I would say successfully that he is absolutely that leader and that he does absolutely have that in, in you know, in him. And so I, I've enjoyed very much seeing him come out and sort of, you know, take the time to do these interviews and establish himself and his personality here, uh, making himself more, a little bit more open and present to the fan base and waiting until after Jabri's retired to do so, which I think is also a really nice sign of respect. 
Absolutely right. And he talked about the impact that Drew Brees had on him and his family and that Drew would never even quite be able to realize it. You know, that was so mm -hmm. powerful, you know, when he even choked up at that. So yeah. it just shows Drew's legacy even more on on the on the players, on the league. So yeah. we, th that could be a whole nother episode in itself. So but uh, <laughs> I mean, we're going to see if the Saints target a quarterback or not, maybe on day two or day three of the of the draft. Um, there were, were, you know, reports possibly about Kyle Trask. Uh, I, yep. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but Ross, it has been so great to be with you. So we're going to segue now into our uh, closing segment, the random round. Uh, just some quick questions and quick answers. Yep. Uh, so our first question, um, what is a sports venue you have not been to that you'd love to visit? Oh, I, okay. So it's the pyramid in Memphis. And, and I know it's not a sports venue anymore. It's a Bass Pro Shop now. What? But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still want to go. But I still want to go. I've never been in a Bass Pro Shop in my life. But I will go to that one. I will Excellent. go to that one because I never got to go to a, a Grizzlies game there. And I always wanted to. All right. What one word would you use to describe Drew Brees? Uh, legendary. Love that. What profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? I want to, ooh, it's weird because I, I've, I've gone through like a few of them already. True. Um, I think flight attendant. I don't know. I love to travel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Great. What is a food you could not live without? Um, is it okay if I pick a drink? Uh, totally. No rules. Coffee. 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 Uh, excellent. With your schedule, <laughs> I think that is a perfect answer. Okay. Name a role model who impacted your life. Um, Dr. J. Raphael. He was a uh, my first mentor ever uh, outside of my mother. Uh, but in terms of like professional uh, mm -hmm. uh, mentors, he would be somebody that I owe a lot to. Fabulous. If you could spend an hour with anyone, living or dead, past or present, who would it be? My fiance, Megan Ganey. Easy. Oh, Done. excellent. Oh, love that one. And finally, uh, last question. Where can listeners connect more with you online? <laughs> uh, yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola, N-O-L-A. Do it for the brand. Uh, and of course, you can catch the Locked on Saints podcast every Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, over at CanalStreetChronicles.com as well, the SB Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. Wonderful. Great stuff. And of course, yes, visit LockedOnSaints.com and add the Locked On Saints podcast to your lineup if you haven't already. Ross Jackson, my friend, thank you for joining me today. Yes, of course. Absolute pleasure. Hope to be able to do it again sometime. Let's get you over on Locked On Saints, too. That would be fantastic. Thanks again for the time, Ross. Always. Thank you so much for listening to Black and Gold Rush. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review. Also, I'd love to connect more. Come say hey on Twitter or Instagram at RachelW504 and let me know what you thought of this episode. For show notes and more, head over to my website at rachelwjones.me. Until next time, ooh dat.